Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Generally Casual. I smashed my pinky into the microphone, and it hurt. I'm Michael, one of your co-hosts, and joined with me today is... Richard! And Corey. Corey, is, Corey might sound weird today because he is discording. Yep. Yeah! We found Corey. He came out of his Corey's corner, and now he's back with us. All right. Kind of. He's still in a corner. But he is now in a high technology corner. A Discord corner. <laughs> so today, we are going to talk about, kind of similar to last time, the origins of Christmas. So we came from the, or, we've done Hanukkah, we've done um, holiday figures, and now we're on to Christmas. Nothing escapes our glance. Everything is targetable. Uh, well, and ideally, actually, I'd like to start with a little bit of carryover from the previous episode. So, there was one set of figures that actually Nathan had talked about, which I'm only going to briefly go into because they are associated with Christmas. They're associated with Christmas in Iceland. Yes. And they're Icelandic figures known as the Yule Lads. Yes. And the only reason I actually bring this up is because I literally watched, We there's a new season of the new the show on Netflix called Hilda, uh-huh. and they actually do like Norse and other yeah. stuff. And they actually had the Yule Lads in the new season. <laughs> <laughs> and it's literally 13 elf-like creatures that are basically like people. But what they do is they were son they were the sons of like two higher beings in in terms of that um stuff. And these 13 people would do almost what Santa Claus and what um Krampus would do. Huh. They would spend 13 days and each one would visit houses and they would give um nice treats and things like that to good kids and give potatoes to bad kids. (laughs) And in the case of, um, in the case of Hilda, they actually kind of portrayed the more negative side and they would basically just punish naughty kids, which was kind of fun and cool. Yeah. But yeah, there was 13 and I think we mentioned like bootlicker or like peg legger. Oh yeah. They were all, yeah. All funny names. They were bad, but yeah, (laughs) but it was, it was very cool. And they actually, Kind of adhered to the names and stuff like that in Hilda. They did a good job with it. Okay. That's yeah. Cool. Briefly mentioned that. Yeah. I'm glad they didn't do what they did in the uh, in the out of Hilda text, which is I think they were like the the progeny of like a demon or something. <laughs> yeah, it's like a giant and a, a demon or it's it's weird. Yeah. But and the Yule Cat. Yeah, and that's also Icelandic, which yeah. I didn't. I think Corey would like the Yule Cat. Yule cat? Like, yeah. yeah. It's like it's like a cat that goes around and eats little children uh if uh, and and farmers if they don't get their work done in time. Or if they don't get the the like the the clothes spun in time or something. It, it was something weird, but it was basically if farmers and children didn't get their work done, a cat comes around and eats them. But it's not even a monster cat. It's just like a regular cat. It's a regular cat that's really big. Yep. Really odd. Yeah, but it was cool. I liked it. <laughs> so, uh, sidetrack aside, let's get right into it with the base foundation for what Christmas is today, which we take place on the holiday, the Roman pagan holiday known as Saturnalia. Which, if you can't tell directly from the name already, Saturnalia is the ritual that celebrates Saturn itself. Which is the Roman god for agriculture and time, was it? Yes, time. Yes, agriculture and time. Um, 
And Richard, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? So they, long time ago, they used to celebrate seasons and solar and lunar cycles and things like that. Saturn being a major focus as a major god of the time. And so at the time it was a celebration and I don't, I didn't do as much research into that specific festival because it seemed like it was just carried and combined with the, the one that I actually did research on. Which, yeah, that's fine. Um, but it was kind of the same thing as we've already kind of talked about in previous historical stuff. It's celebration of that god. So yeah. you would do everything associated with that god celebrating the sun and time and blah, blah, blah. And if you've never uh, researched into Roman culture, um, they practice... Uh, basically any of the rituals usually in practice the act of hedonism oh with, lots of debauchery yeah and debauchery which is basically um um lots of skin on skin lots of drinking too much and lots of eating too much um and to excess and all of that was done to an excess and i think it was for 14 days was their version of it, and it took place around December 25th anyways. Um, but like Romans, more than likely, they ripped this tradition off of something that was previously there, uh, which was paganism, which the Romans adopted, which is um, an act of worshipping many gods. But more than likely, it came from this previous tradition that Richard's going to explain to us. Well, so this tradition actually... Uh, has more to do with how Christianity adapted Christmas. Mm. So they took, uh, we're assuming um, that they actually chose December 25th because of the Saturnalia festival. Mm. And um, <laughs> technically it, the, it wasn't about Jesus' birth being on that day. Pope Julius I actually chose December 25th. And it was the common belief is that they did it to adapt the Saturnalia festival and kind of adapt the Christianity into away from paganism, things like that. Yeah. But in Scandinavia, they actually celebrated Yule from December 21st. And that had to do with the winter solstice through January. So it it's kind of what we already talked about. They um, celebrated the changing of the seasons and the sun and the moon and the lunar cycle and things like that. But they, the reason why they called it Yule is because in recognition of the return of the sun, the fathers and sons would bring home large logs, which they would set on fire. And then the people would feast until the log burned out, which could take as many as 12 days. So they created this huge fire and then they just let it burn. And obviously they're definitely not regular, you know, chimney sized logs at all that like big massive de tree sized logs yeah <laughs> I was cut about down to say a couple that trees <laughs> and put a bunch of trees and make a huge fire and then like, just let them burn they just lit part of a forest on fire and <laughs> saw how long it would take for that to go out <laughs> i like the way it burns well and that's kind of the interesting thing that we talked about two episodes ago with hanukkah is it's like hanukkah almost had the opposite problem they're like all right we have enough stuff to burn for one night and then it burned for eight versus this is like let's just burn stuff and see how long it burns for <laughs> you uh, only get it's like a it's like if uh 
like the sizzler buffet went more serious. Like you only have enough time to eat your food until this runs out. Usually the shrimp. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I have a special Hanukkah tradition that I'm gonna start. It's a restaurant where we're only open for uh, eight, eight days, days. <laughs> a year, and we just set a fire and we go, hey. Some days it lasts eight days and nights. I was gonna say you could combine the two, Hanukkah and Yule, and then after you you ran out of whatever stuff on the eighth day, then you set the whole restaurant on fire, and then you celebrate for twelve days while the restaurant burns down. I also know what kind of restaurant it should be. It should be a Mongolian barbecue place. Perfect. You just have a giant walk over the fire, and just like <laughs> let's do this. <laughs> Corey, thank you for uh, giving me a restaurant idea. I'm gonna copyright it. Anytime. Copyright Michael Wincor. <laughs> so, uh, as I already said. Pope Julius I chose December 25th, so he, we're assuming he did that, and based off of kind of historical reference and common thoughts during the time, it was to pull people away from polytheism and paganism and um, kind of work to co- uh, coalesce all the people to kind of form under Christianity. So th- surprisingly enough, that actually kind of did work, didn't work. There were, you know how most religions were during the time it was kind of people kind of did their own thing or they based it off of whatever the certain king was doing or things like that. So that kind of continued up until um, the, I think it was the 1800s when Charles Dickens released A Christmas Carol, the book. Yeah. And the story's message and the importance of charity and goodwill towards all humankind, blah, blah, blah. That is really not only struck a chord in the United States, but kind of also, I mean, also England and kind of the upper class. And that's when Christmas kind of took its foothold in high society (laughs) and then started to kind of morph into what we know today is Christmas. Yeah. And obviously, as we've seen with multiple of these holidays, America takes it and then commercializes it. And now it's about presents and other things like that. But... Back in Charles Dickens's time, it was more about the family togetherness, the goodwill towards each other. That's where gifts started getting involved, you know, because of the act of gift giving and how um, charitable that was and things like that. So England, I think it spread from there. And then United States took over because they were all into the newest, latest, greatest books as well. You know, that's kind of strange. Uh, because something that's prevalent in Christmas carols, you see Christmas trees in the background. Mm-hmm. And so I just did a, a a quick amount of research before this. That was about where Christmas trees came from. Oh. And I have some elegant pieces of information for you. Nice. <laughs> um, and they're not very surprising. <clears throat> so the the ancient art of Christmas tree decoration comes from the, uh, basically, when Egyptians... Uh, used evergreens and not uh, Egyptians and oh my memory fails me um, Egyptians and Romans sorry Egyptians and Romans would use evergreens as a way to keep out devils and spirits and ghosts so already evergreens were used uh, as a way of kind of blocking spirits from going into your home and then from what I research, it just seems like people were just naturally decorative during certain times of the year. So they would just decorate trees that they were already using for the act of keeping spirits away. 
So <laughs> the act of Christmas trees actually just dates back to people going, oh, there's a tree there. Well, we're using it to keep out the demons. Oh, why don't, why don't we festive and decorate that too? Um, and that kind of spun into, um, I think, Germany in the 16th century continued the tradition and eventually started bringing those trees inside. And eventually that spun off to the United States when um, German, I wouldn't say nomads, but uh, Germans moved from Germany in the 19th century over to the United States and they brought Christmas tree, that act of bringing Christmas trees inside to us. Huh. Interesting. So it was a... it was a very uninteresting story, but also interesting. The fact that it was just like, why do people do Christmas trees? It's like, well, just trees and decorate them. And you want them inside. Why not? It makes sense, too, as well, because evergreens have always been sort of uh, special in a lot of cultures because of the fact that they're tied to life, like because they maintain their their leaves throughout the year. Um, they're sort of prized as a sign of like life and yeah, you know, not not going through some sort of dormancy cycle. Yeah, and that's that's also where wreaths come from. Is that people would make wreaths of evergreen as a way to block spirits from your front door. Hmm. I I found it rather uh, interesting that Christmas seems to be a holiday that pulls from a lot of different stuff. Yeah, it didn't. I mean, obviously now we we know, not know, but now we kind of treat Christmas in more or less three different ways. We have the uh, Jesus birthing portion of it. We have the Santa Claus portion of it. And then we have the commercialism, commercialism portion of it. But it's interesting to hear how many different cultures and traditions, even based off of our previous episode, all the figures and stuff like that, all of them are from all over the world so it's interesting to to see that christmas is almost like that world kind of melting pot holiday well that's also what's crazy about breaking up christmas like we've done we took the holiday figures out talked about those and now we're talking about just the origins of christmas but almost today without those figures it's just a day that celebrates the the winter solstice basically yeah because we're celebrating the time when it's the darkest of of the year and if you just have Christmas, it's just like, what if we drop some of the more commercial aspects of Christmas? Oh, well, gift giving. We talked about that, where that comes from. Yeah. We talked about holiday figures, where those come from. And then we're just left up with the regular origins of the day, basically. And I'm trying to think of traditions for Christmas that are outside of that, of which we've talked about. And it doesn't seem like there are very many. It's more like, oh, what's a tradition of Christmas? Oh, it's snow. Well, snow that is different depending as you, on where you yeah, live. Depending on where you live. And I'm like, well, Santa Claus and reindeer, but I'm like, okay, well, that's something we've covered. Gift giving we've covered. Um, what's left? And I think that just comes down to a personal like thing. Is what people do traditionally on Christmas. Because when we talked about Thanksgiving, that's loosely based on a previous quote-unquote dinner that happened and then, you know, the the bountifulness of turkey that are all over the place and easy to cook and they're big enough to feed a family. But then we come back to Christmas, it's like, okay, what's natural to eat on Christmas? It's like, oh, that's also a personal tradition. That's true. There's, there's not a lot that's like, 
this is the recommended thing for everybody when Christmas is like Christmas is everybody has their own personal personal agenda when it comes to Christmas. Well, and I was going to say it, we kind of broached on this in the Thanksgiving episode, but in Christmas Carol, they there's two different main meals that they've depending on what version of of the Dickens story you've gotten is either Christmas goose or I guess Christmas turkey was the other one. Yeah. But it's interesting because goose is way too greasy to have on just roasted goose for Christmas. Yeah. As opposed to uh like they do duck in Chinese culture and that also tends to be really greasy, but that's like hung for grease and other things like that. Yeah. Um and I'm trying to think of other things going through having watched a couple different Christmas movies and other things like that. I feel like it's either Christmas turkey, Christmas ham mm-hmm. is another big one. Um, and then usually it's a cultural um, appropriation of what the uh, food is. Yeah. So I know plenty of people who are of Latin orient- orientation, as it were. Most of them will do some sort of uh, Mexican, Spanish food. Um, tamales or just enchiladas or a bunch of different stuff, but they will do like a big old feast associated with that. Italian food is a big one across multiple um, cultures. And like I said, I feel like the most traditional ones are usually ham, turkey, goose. Yeah, which actually leads me to ask, what's what's something traditional that you both had during Christmas times? We'll start with Corey. Uh, I wouldn't exactly call it traditional uh, as much as like it was traditional for my family in a sense. Yeah, that's why I'm uh, asking. But um, Christmas lunch is typically the bigger thing. So you'd have like a brunch slash lunch. Um, and then that's when you would have like Christmas ham. Uh, you, you know, you would have some prawns. You would probably have maybe um like a charcuterie board um all that kind of stuff and then yeah of uh, course a charcuterie board charcuterie yep yep (laughs) (laughs) i don't know how to pronounce it so i just went with it hey that's Um, better than what i said yeah like you like it's a sock and cheese in your mouth yeah exactly but um yeah otherwise for like a christmas dinner i remember having a lot of the time uh, we would have turkey bonbons, which is essentially like, it's almost like a turkey roast dinner. So like the veggies, like potatoes, turkey, all that kind of stuff. But it's wrapped in pastry, so it looks like a Christmas bonbon. Oh. So almost, it keeps... almost like a beef wellington, but for turkey. Yeah. And then it that looks like really one of those good. Christmas bonbons, and then it's good because it keeps like the turkey really moist, and then there's like the cranberry on top, and it's good. It's good stuff. That but sounds amazing. That, normally it was food stuff, so traditionally it was you get together as a family. If you were going to get together as a family for that year, you'd all cook. You would hang outside around the barbecue, you know, grill stuff up. Um, while you while you wait for the ham because of course uh christmas was kind of like you eat continuously throughout the day it's not just like one big set meal it's like you're eating and you're cooking stuff to eat while you're cooking other stuff to eat in like two hours time 
Oh yeah. <laughs> That's that sounds amazing. Yeah, it was good man- memories of like the transition from going outside, starting the barbecue up, barbecuing while you're waiting for the other stuff to cook. You're eating the barbecued stuff, and then when all the other stuff's done, you transition to the lunch table and it's good stuff. Good. And you have a week long poop. <laughs> I <hope> yep. Not. <laughs> you get that checked out. <laughs> hey you don't want to squeeze it all out one one go uh well richard i mean it seems like we're related so uh can you talk about uh <laughs> what you ate with as tradition it it's uh it seems like it anyway yeah uh sometimes yeah. sometimes it seems right. like we've known each other our entire life but i don't know <laughs> well all of your life we've known each other no, that's true not all of your life <laughs> Um, my brain is exploding. <laughs> this is where Richard, you uh, you you bring to light that you actually had a separate set of traditions up until Michael's birth. <laughs> he had a six-year-long tradition until I was born. He's he like, ruined everything. He would kick out on the on the sofa. <laughs> I wouldn't even eat. I'd yeah. just starve. <laughs> yeah, I used to starve the whole time. But then you came along, and I just I was eating all the time. <laughs> um. Yeah, so we've gone through, I think, many different transitions as a family. Um, I feel like ham was kind of always there. I feel like we always had Christmas ham. Mm. Um, But in recent years, we've definitely changed over. We still do Christmas ham, but now we also do prime rib on uh, Mm -hmm. either Eve and or day of Christmas Day. Um, And then also intermingled usually throughout the years there was some sort of italian food because we do have a heavy italian background and we would that up yeah make some sort of uh um italian dish i do remember at some point it became raviolis yeah yeah that's true (laughs) well and that's the thing is i feel like a while ago there was sometimes where we'd spend it at other families house and stuff like that i remember going over to great uncle tony's at least once or things like that so um but yeah i feel like ham primary are kind of our main go-tos and then random italian stuff this year and the previous couple years have been ravioli yeah um a nearby uh mexican food place does they make a bunch of tamales during this time of year um that they you pre-order them and then around december you can pick them up um and that's my new favorite tradition because i love tamales is i like to add that into my christmas in my christmas holiday mix now to be like yeah i'll have a ridiculous amount of tamales and steam them up and eat them that's uh sounds delicious oh and our other thing is we do a big breakfast that's a big breakfast the day of christmas we may skip that this year but um how dare you richard family drama right now (laughs) Obviously, due to COVID and everything else like that, we're not trying Eggs to... Eggs don't exist anymore. That's true. Bacon's gone. At the entire breakfast is off the menu. All that's left is my favorite drink, eggnog. Ugh, <laughs> oh, gross. fun fact. Fun fact about hey, eggnog. Hey, Corey, you should. Everyone loves eggnog. Everyone. <laughs> um, The first eggnog made in the United States was consumed by Captain John Smith's... <laughs> 19 or 1607 Jamestown settlement. Yeah. That's interesting. Hey, uh, quick question to both of you. Um, what do you think eggnog's made of? Nog. Uh, nog fruit. 
Nog and fruit. an egg. <laughs> Nog fruit. And there's there's and everything egg. but egg in there. Actually, it's you know <laughs> everything it's to in the throw kitchen sink. Off the recipe. I gotta yeah. keep it secret. Uh, it's it's egg yolk, sugar, milk, cream, and then you can add nutmeg and bourbon to it. Bourbon. Now, like my my favorite thing is this is just like, so what's eggnog? Well, you just milk. You just mix milk and eggs and sugar. It's like it's that's like the basic foundation of it, <laughs> and I'm like, yes, it tastes so good. But well, there's some people who are super turned off by it. One because it's really rich. Oh yeah, and it only appears during the winter months for yeah. some reason. I mean, you don't want to be drinking it during summer. You're gonna die. Um, and two <laughs> because it's very unique. I feel like in its taste because it's not just like having like whole milk, which is rich in itself because it's so it's so fatty, but like adding egg and a little bit of sugar to it really kind of rounds out its taste and just makes it like you're drinking artery clogged. What? No, I it, I can't do it. It seriously it makes me feel like I'm gonna choke on milky sugar. Like yep, I, it like hits the gag reflex. Get outside, bourbon to it. Well, and for me, the main thing is I like the spiced taste to it, which is usually whatever extra spice that whatever company Not makes it through. Some other stuff, yeah. yeah. Sometimes I know it's like Chinese five spice or like mm-hmm. holiday oriented spices. It's good. And I like, I also like the alcoholic version because it's really hard to not, if you like eggnog, it's really hard to add alcohol to that and be like, it still tastes like eggnog. And you just drink right through it. It's eggnog with a bite, but it's still like, and it's down my throat. <laughs> Unless you get the Pennsylvania Dutch kind of eggnog, in which case it's all alcohol. It's <laughs> difficult to taste the eggnog in that. It's just, you take a sip and you're like, ooh. Okay. They cracked one egg, added a dash of milk, and then a spoonful of sugar. And <laughs> Just like, all bourbon. Yeah, that's all bourbon. <laughs> um, any other Christmas traditions that you guys do? Since we're talking about Christmas itself. So, um, oh yeah, go ahead, Corey. Oh, I was hey, going to say one Corey, probably ahead. more universal would be the whole uh, presents under the tree thing, and whether people wait for a. To open their presents on the day itself or the the night before, I know, is another big one. Um, but my family would traditionally do the whole, like, the the head of the family for that group would be the one that dresses up as Santa and then hands out all the presents to everyone. <laughs> I like I like the tradition because one of my friends is now, uh, is now the Santa pick to hand out presents and act like Santa. And he's a big dude with like no gut, um, and and I find that funny because I never imagined Santa as like a six foot six dude walking around, <laughs> and just this enormous figure going, "Hello, I'm Santa." I'm like, "Okay, Santa, lose about a foot, and we we got you. You'd be a little short guy." <laughs> I don't see Santa as being able to carry around all those toys with a you know five foot frame. You know, you know that's true. Um, I just don't imagine Santa being swollen thick like the Rock. So I don't know. <laughs> My friend is not swollen thick like the Rock, but it'd be crazy if Santa looked like that. <laughs> Maui Santa. Yeah, Maui Santa. Um, You're welcome. Uh, ho ho. Our tradition is that we we pick somebody as Santa, and we don't have them dress up as anything. But Santa's the one who passes out the gifts. So we always have someone sitting by the tree. Usually gets... it was the youngest member of our family. Yeah. 
unless Michael wanted to do it. But I'll give it to our our youngest now if she doesn't want it. To. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> like sometimes she does, and sometimes she doesn't. And the youngest part of our family hands them out to everybody else, and we make sure that everybody gets a present. We open it. Everybody gets a present. We open it. So that way it's kind of even at times. It is awkward sometimes. Well, now that like when our parents are like, eh, don't get us anything. We're good. Um, is like one person opens one present. And then usually it's left that a youngest member is opening a bunch of presents back to back. Or the people who are indecisive. Stares at Richard. Um, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> who, who aren't indecisive but don't know what they want for Christmas. Um, that it ends up that we just kind of sit around watching um, my niece, Richard's daughter. Uh, opening up presents for like 10 more goes, <laughs> which actually works in our favor. Cause that means we can relax. And usually it's after we've eaten that big breakfast, in yeah. which case then we just sit and chill while Lorelai opens a bunch of presents. Exactly. So that's I think that's a combine, uh, Christmas and Easter there and just have like hiding spots. You hide the kiddos uh, presents all around in different spots and say, you can have your present, but you got to find it first. Now, Corey, such a great idea. If, if uh, people's memories didn't fail at some point and then you lost a present just because you didn't remember where you put it. <laughs> then it becomes a present for next year. So, that's <laughs> Or it's a, it's a mid-year present. It's just like, hey, Christmas is six months from now. You found it. <laughs> Any other kind of holiday traditions you two can imagine that's pretty unique to your family? Mm, going down to the beach was one. Um Ooh, that's On unique. years where we didn't catch up with family, we would actually uh, go down to the beach and have like a Christmas surf, hang out Ooh. on the beach, just catch some sun. Because, you know, back home it's not winter, so <laughs> you can't actually go to the beach. Yeah. <laughs> Is the water pretty cold during the summer year? No, it's summer. Yeah, for Australia, it's summer. No, 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 no. I, I know, but the ocean doesn't change based on just one place. So I was just wondering if it was like, it was still, I guess my, my biggest question is, is the water cold in Australia or warm normally in Australia? Ever. Uh, It depends on the time of year. Dang it. But <laughs> Because uh, I think during the winter months, we also get a lot of Arctic winds so the arctic winds push the arctic water up or antarctic i should say that's what Um, i thought arctic was north yeah yeah it's antarctic antarctic yep okay that makes sense because i mean i don't live in hawaii but i would imagine that the hawaiian waters don't get super cold during the winter months i think they just get windy yeah i mean that's on like the trade-off they're on uh on uh, the equator what's the word for it not just that but because the land mass um An extends island. under the water a large amount that technically the earth still absorbs the heat from the sun mm-hmm. and then that warms up the water oh yeah so that's oh, i was yeah, wondering yeah. if australia might have been uh similar to that act of... just on a much larger scale so no it actually cools down yeah yeah it does cool down so yeah. Well, um, as we get closer to uh, the end, because I don't know if these these boys can think of any more traditions, because most of our other ones are pretty, like, I feel like a lot of other people do. We decorate the outside with the lights up. Um, Our parents have some nifty things they put outside of their house. I don't decorate my house because 
I'm not going to get on my own roof. It's not technically my roof. And, you know, not a lot of people come over to where I am. So I have no need for decoration. I feel like decorations are a little bit for every, other people and a little bit for you. I might eventually do it. Honestly, I, I, we, uh, we've seen plenty of videos where it's like crazy, you know, v- audio synced lights and things like that. This year's like big one was like, there's a house that's, uh, attached to the Hamilton stuff. That's cool. And it's all synced to that. But I don't know if I'd go that far. It depends on how much tech I really want to go into mm-hmm. to do it once a year. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it'd be fun. I We've obviously hung lights for mom and dad before and done stuff for the house. But uh, I don't know. It, it's really dependent on kind of design choice and things like that more than anything and how much time you want to spend. My favorite tradition that we did for like four or five years and then we stopped cold because it's hard to do was we got a Christmas tree and then we've got like fake snow and we'd spray down. Oh yeah. yeah. We'd spray down the tree with fake snow. So it, it could be inside, but still have that lingering white frost effect on uh, all the pine needles and all the spray of aerosol and no, the we did smell of aerosol. Yeah, we did it inside and we sprayed the walls and no. <laughs> um, and then uh, my parents have these like kind of, I don't think they're real gold, but they're like, they're like gold colored ornaments. Um, and they're like cool, cool, like nifty ornaments that are like, these are Snoopy things. And this is, a, Oh yeah. The older one. Yeah. Like the, say, they actually really had, old. They, they also had like the, the, the white house ornaments, oh, yeah, which the, white were house the gold ornament. filigree yeah. and things like that. All, all like painted gold style things yeah. and like a saxophone. Um, yep. and they look really, really pretty on a white Christmas tree. That's like, looks like it's been freshly snowed on. And I'm like, oh, I want to recreate that. That looks beautiful. I wish it really did snow because then I would keep my tree outside and then have it get snowed on and then be like, oh, so pretty. Yeah. That's my favorite thing. Uh, Richard, Christmas fun facts. Go. So, yeah. Uh, one of the more interesting ones was uh, each year, 30 to 35 million real Christmas trees are sold in the United States alone. There are about 21,000 Christmas tree growers in the United States, and trees usually grow for about 15 years before they are sold. And I have one uh, additional fact to that. Did you know that Christmas trees are grown in all 50 states? I didn't know. That's awesome. Including Hawaii and Alaska. So every state grows its own Christmas trees. Interesting. Yeah. And uh, I'm actually going to skip to the bottom because that was very interesting. So for those in America... The Christmas tree lighting tradition in Rockefeller Center was started in 1931 by construction workers. Oh, that's so, adorable. Which is awesome because nowadays it's such a big thing in New York for, you know, to light up the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree and stuff like that. But it was interesting to see. It didn't wasn't really like a big thing. It was started by construction workers, which is cool. Yeah, it's very adorable. And then something that I skipped over from earlier, but... uh. Christmas was canceled um, from 1659 to 1681, and it was the it was outlawed in Boston, and lawbreakers were fined five shillings. What? Yeah, there was a whole piece of it that I that I kind of read through, and it it seemed more of a fun fact thing than something to really go into story wise. So I would suggest to the listeners if you're really just look up 
Christmas canceled and Boston, and you'll easily find the the research. Of course, topic a on weird it. thing like that would happen in Boston. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then yeah. Oh, in terms of uh, Christmas in the United States, it was declared a federal holiday way after it was canceled on uh, June twenty sixth in eighteen seventy. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. So it wasn't as we uh, saw with Thanksgiving. It didn't become a a federal thing until much later. Yeah, so, after it's been it was being celebrated for a while. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely interesting to see how certain things are uh patented in mm-hmm. countries and things like that. But yeah. Anything else you want to add, Corey? No, I think that's it. Yeah, and I think that's it as well. Um that gives us a nice rounded look of our view of Christmas. Let us know about your your Christmas traditions. Um, and anything that's unique to you, because that's always what I like to look at is every family that celebrates Christmas or the holidays around this time has a unique take on it. Um, example, we also celebrate Hanukkah and our Hanukkah tradition traditions. I, I don't know why I can't say that word today. Tradition. Traditions, um, are different from other, um, practicing, uh, Hanukkah holiday followers. That was a really long way to say. <laughs> yep. <laughs> We'll just avoid the cultural and religious affiliation. No, they're just altogether. holidays. They're just holidays. They have no those holiday goers that religion. celebrate Hanukkah. Yeah, <laughs> and the holiday goers that celebrate Christmas. And in fact, that's something strange because I feel like Christmas is one of those few holidays that I feel like you don't have to be a practicing Christian or Catholic to celebrate it because you could just take the act of Christmas or Christmas giving, gift giving, and the act of that tree and decorating, and just be like, okay, oh. One before we finish off, I have one last fun fact. The most uh popular day for movie theaters, but potentially obviously not this year, but the most popular day for movie theaters is Christmas Day. Tell us why that is. Because after uh normally a big movie comes out on Christmas Day every year. Yeah. And usually after the morning of doing the presents and stuff like that. Families are looking for something to do for the rest of that day. In addition to I those... Thought, what? I thought you were going to say that because it's on the day where you have to see family, so you go someplace that you don't have to, <laughs> to see, see family. family. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, the, the other piece of it is that since not all cultures celebrate Christmas, they look for something to do because a lot of things are closed on Christmas and mm-hmm. movie theaters is one of those things that's not closed on Christmas day. Yeah. And stereotypically that's uh that's you see the Jewish person eating at a Chinese food restaurant because yep. that, that that's another thing that's not closed on Christmas. Yeah. Usually. Um, well, we want to thank you all for joining us today at our little Christmas origin talks. Uh, pick us up next week. Same time, same place. And loosely Wednesdays. <laughs> <laughs> We've been trying to stick to that schedule. Yeah, we try to stick to that schedule. Uh, but, you know, we're casuals over here. So, yeah, it's it's all loosey-goosey for us. And um, I hope you enjoyed everything you're listening to. Um, join with me, Corey. We got Richard. And please, oh, also me, I'm Michael. <laughs> and uh, as normal, we're on all podcasting places. And we're also on many pieces of social media. So Please like review subscribe yeah do all three if you can and like i've been saying also share put you know put this on when somebody's in the car with you you know let them listen to our lovely voices and grating your ears slowly (laughs) and thank you Corey, for coming back to us on on discord in your corner 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and as always, everybody, stay merry. <laughs>